Okay, hello, and welcome. It's good to see all your faces. Um, if any more people come in, you might need to shuffle up. Okay, so I'm just going to let you know who I am. So my name is Josie Peake. Thank you very much. That was a nice little clap down here. <laughs> and this guy over here is called Ben Watkins. I'll let him introduce himself in a minute. Oh, you got a bigger cheer than I did, Ben. <sighs> okay, so... Um, yeah, my name is Josie. I come from a town quite close to here called Lowestoft. <laughs> Lowestoft's a pretty cool place. So if you haven't been to Lowestoft, you need to visit it. It's got a really lovely beach. Um, so it's about 45 minutes from here on the coast. Um, and I've lived there for about 12 years. Um, I'm married to a guy called Dan, who is here on site with me this week. And um, I've been doing youth work for 16 years. So I'm a bit of a veteran in the youth work um, thing. And... Um, I'm here to talk to you about prayer, obviously, you know that, that's why you've come here. Um, and hopefully you guys are going to journey with us through this week on the subject of prayer. Um, I just need to mention, they're not in the room, but they need to know that I've mentioned them. I do have some ch- beautiful children who are here on site with me this week, Elijah and Edith, and another one cooking nicely in my tummy. Um, so, yeah, so I'm a mum of two, going to be three, um, and a wife to a beautiful man called Daniel. This is Ben, and he's going to introduce himself. So, I'm Ben, I'm... Uh a Norfolk boy. I live in Holt, which is right near Sheringham, which has an even better beach than Lowestoft. Uh, I live there. Um, I live there with my wife Amy, and we have three kids: Lily, Elijah, and Micah. I'm an elder at Life Church, and I've been involved in youth work for 14 years. And I think I've been to every New Day. Um, so yeah, I've clocked up a lot of miles in terms of New Day. So it's really good, and I'm really looking forward to what God's going to do this week. Okay, cool. So we're going to be talking on the subject of prayer today, and we're going to be talking about how when we learn who God is and who we get to be through God, it changes the way that we do life because it changes our perspective and it changes the lens through which you see everything because you are in line with truth. Okay, so we're going to be talking a little bit about that today. Ben's going to go on to a bit of that later. and we're going to be ending this morning sessions with a little, with a little bit of ministry time. Um, so we just wanted to say that, give you the heads up right at the beginning to say there is going to be an opportunity at the end of the session to be prayed for. Um, and the reason we're saying that is because we just want you to be open right from the start to the Holy Spirit prompting you and nudging you. As we're talking, if you feel like the Holy Spirit is nudging you or challenging you or convicting you or anything, we just want you to be mindful of that and to think, oh, hang on a minute, that woman said something like this might happen throughout the seminar. Um, And at the end, there'll be an opportunity for you to be able to respond to what God's nudging you about. Okay. Before we do anything, we're going to start the session, and this is going to be a bit of a theme this week if you join us for our journey. We're going to start the session by doing something, which you may have done before, but you may not have done before. Um, And we're going to do something called a gear change. Okay, now we do this quite a lot in our church. Um, And so what we're going to do in a second is we're going to put on some music, and we're going to have two minutes of beautiful music playing. Okay, now the reason we're doing that um, isn't just to chill out, um, but you guys have hopefully just come from a main session either in 12 to 14s or in the um, main meeting, the big top. And you've heard a lot of information. Um, you've encountered God. Loads of things have been going on in your mind. Um, and we just want to allow you to have two minutes just to change gear, okay? So to just lay aside the stuff that you've heard already, the stuff that you're mulling over and thinking about or have been challenged about, and to just get ready for what God is going to do in the next hour in this seminar and just to get yourself in the place of saying, okay, God, I want to glean everything you've got for me in the next hour. I want to get myself in the right position to receive from you in the next hour, how much to be present 
in this moment. So that's what this two minutes is about. You might find, if you've got a little bit of space around you, you might want to lie down and chill out. Um, you might just want to sit like you're sitting. You might want to have your eyes open. And you might want to close your eyes so you're not distracted. The music literally is going to play for two minutes and stop, and then we're going to carry on. So just use this as an opportunity. You might want to speak to God. You might want to chat to him. Um, or you might just want to sit and chill and listen to the music. That's fine. We're going to take two minutes. Okay, two minutes goes quickly, hey? Okay, right, so I love my job. Um, my job is a youth worker at Lowestoft Community Church. Um, and I have the privilege of looking after the young people there. But one of the things that I spend a lot of my time doing is going into um, local primary schools and secondary schools. And um, we do loads of different things in schools. But one of the things that um, I love to do is something called prayer spaces in schools. Put your hand up if you've ever heard of something called prayer spaces in schools. Quite a few of you. Okay, if you haven't heard of it, you need to check it out. Go online and check it out and get it in your local schools and colleges. It's brilliant. So I go into schools and basically prayer space in schools is um, I go in and set up an interactive prayer space, a little bit like the one you're standing in, just not as pretty as this one. Um, But I go and set an interactive prayer space up and then all the young people come through and explore prayer and what it is um, and get to be creative with prayer. So um, I love engaging with kids and young people about prayer. And um, I don't know why you've chosen to come into the room today. I don't know if this was just like I'll just take potluck and just walk in. Or if you're really interested in prayer, you might be um, really passionate about prayer. Um, You might be, think I'm rubbish at prayer. Um, You might feel like you're a failure at prayer. You might just really struggle with the whole thing. How does it work? I don't really get it. Um, Whatever reason you are in this room for... um, if you are feeling like I'm a bit of a low about it or a bit guilty about not doing it enough or not understanding it, then you're in good company. So I became a Christian at the age of eight, and I'm now 37. Um, and so for much of my childhood and my teenage years, I've really struggled with the subject of prayer. And it's probably only been within the last 10 to 12 years that I've really grasped something of what prayer is. Um, so if you're feeling like you know, you're not Mrs. or Mr. Prayer Warrior, and then you are in good company. Um, I've always struggled with not fitting the mould with prayer. So I guess I've always accepted that prayer is really important. Ever since I was really tiny, I've known that prayer is part of our Christian walk with God. It's something that we should be doing. Um, but I've never totally grasped it. I've never totally grasped what it is. And, and I've just been really embarrassed at my effort, or my efforts to try and pray both in private by myself and in public settings, in prayer meetings, in church, in youth group settings. Um, And much of my prayer life over the years has been me going, okay, God, I'm going to pray and falling asleep. Anyone here ever fallen asleep when they've been trying to pray? Just me? Uh, Me and Ben, the people leading it, okay. Um, And other times I've just been completely paralyzed with um, sort of fear that I'm going to be exposed as a bit of a fraud because I've stood in prayer meetings and rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed the prayer that I'm going to say out loud in my head so that I can then say it out loud. Anyone ever rehearsed their prayer in their head before they've said it out loud? Okay, well, that's me. So I've rehearsed my prayers and then we thought, is everyone going to know when I pray that like I've rehearsed it? It's not a spontaneous prayer. So much of my prayer life, I've just been like, oh, I'm just so rubbish at this. So awkward at it. And um, And right from the outset, I just want you to be encouraged and reassured that if you're feeling like that, or if that's your experience, then you're in the right place. You're in good company, um, because both Ben and myself have had times when we felt like that. Um, And this seminar stream isn't about heaping a load of guilt on you and setting a bar really high and saying, 
you need to pray like this. This is what we should be doing. It's not about that. In fact, for me, it's quite the opposite. My passion is really about seeing young people um, really get to grips with what prayer is and seeing that it's really simple at the end of the day and you can all do it and we are all wired to do it and it's a really powerful weapon at your disposal that you can use. Um, So that's what we're here to do and if you leave this week feeling that you've moved on one tiny bit in your journey of prayer, then we will have done our job. Um, We just want to mobilise you guys to pray, pray, pray. Um, So for me, um, as I said, back in sort of my younger years, um, prayer's been quite difficult and it's changed over recent years. And um, the thing is that I've been on a bit of a journey and primarily that journey's been about revelation. So um, I've had a bit of a revelation over the last 10 to 12 years of identity, of realising who I am who God allows me to be and who he is for me. Having a true revelation of who he is and how he sees me has radically changed my prayer life. And when I look back through the, all the awkwardness of my prayers and the stumbling through prayers as a child and a teenager and into my 20s, um, I can see and I can testify when I look back over all those years that prayer is the reason that I'm here today. Even through all that awkwardness and me thinking I was getting it all wrong, actually all those awkward prayers are the reason that I hear, I'm here and I am where I am today and I'm standing in front of you guys talking about prayer. So over the next five mornings, we're going to explore a bit more about prayer, about ways in which we can pray and hear God. Um, I'm not a huge fan of standing up here and doing this sort of thing. Um, so actually, today we're going to talk a bit, um, but over the next few days, there's not going to be loads of talking. Um, we're going to be doing loads of different things and trying things out and experimenting um, and expecting him from God. Um, so to this morning is about giving you a bit of a background as to what we're doing, um, but you won't be hearing loads and loads of stuff from the front over the coming days. You'll be doing lots of stuff. Um, okay, so before we go any further, I thought it would be cool if we start by doing what we're here to do, which is pray. So if you'd just like to close your eyes, we're just going to pray. Father God, I want to thank you for every person in this room. Father, I want to thank you that it's not by an accident that they came into this venue for this hour. Lord, you have something for every person in this room this morning. And Father, I pray that something will land with every single person in their heart this morning, Lord. I pray your Holy Spirit would just come and just nudge people where they need nudging, would encourage people where they need encouraging. And Father, for those people in the room who are passionate about prayer already and excited about what prayer is, Lord, I pray that you would use this week to make them into mighty prayer warriors for you. And Father, for those people who are feeling they just don't meet the mark and they're discouraged and they just can't do this thing called prayer and they keep falling at the first hurdle, Father, I pray that you would make them a praying people, that the switch would switch this week, Father, that they would realize that they are wired to pray, that you can help them, Father, and that they can do it, Jesus that all these rules that we put in place are a load of nonsense, all these lies that we believe, it's all a load of nonsense. It's really simple. It's just about you and us and relationship. And I just pray that I'd really sink into the hearts of everyone this week. Amen. Okay, so in 2013, so a few years ago now, some research was done by the Church of England. And the Church of England found that six out of seven people still believe that prayers can be answered. So that's quite a lot. Six out of seven people still believe prayers can be answered. Only one in seven say that they would never, ever pray. Okay? Teenagers and people in their early 20s emerged as less likely to reject prayer than their parents' generation. So the statistics, and there's loads more statistics out there, the statistics show 
that we are a people who pray. People pray. I don't know if you've ever had a conversation with any non-Christian friends or family. Prayer isn't a particularly a taboo subject. People are quite open to prayer. People pray. Okay. People mostly pray when they're in trouble or in desperation. You might pray when you're in trouble or in desperation. Um, so we are people that pray, but are we a praying people? Are we a people who are dedicating our lives to communicating with God? I'd like you to turn to the person or the people next to you. If you don't know the people next to you, you might want to make a new friend. And I'd like you to tell them, what is, do you think, if when I say this, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? What is your personal biggest obstacle to prayer? Go. Okay. Hopefully you've all said your answer. We're now going to watch a really quick video. Some people from Norfolk and Suffolk have told us what their biggest obstacles to prayer are. Watch this. Okay, so I don't know if you're, um, if the answer that you shared with the person next to you came on the screen, put your hand up if it came on the screen. Quite a few of you, okay. So, what is prayer? Um, the people of God, I believe, need to get to grips with prayer. We need to understand the powerful weapon that we have. And as I'm travelling around schools, talking to little children, big children, um, there's one common misconce- misconception about prayer as I go around school. 100%. This is 100% every class, every school I go into, I get the same answer everywhere I go. When I say to them, what is prayer? Can you define prayer for me? They all do the same thing. Does anybody have any idea what they're going to do? Yeah, a few of you doing it. Okay, so they put their hands together like this and close their eyes. And we regularly have the conversation with them as to why they do that. And often they're taught to do that in assembly, in primary school. Um, and a lot of them think that it's really holy because it's point, your hands are pointing to heaven. Um, does anyone here know why you do this when you're taught to do this when you pray? The reason you're taught to do this when you're little, when you pray, is so you don't fidget. That's why. Okay. So the teachers aren't very impressed when I tell the kids that in school. Um, so that's, that's what a lot of children and young people in our country think that's what they think prayer is that's the first thing they associate with prayer putting their hands together someone talking and then them all saying amen and I'm sure I don't you don't need me to tell you that there is more to prayer than that but we're just going to start with the basics and provide a bit of a platform for us to launch off for the rest of the week so prayer is communication with God through Jesus and by the Holy Spirit so prayer is communication with God through Jesus and by the Holy Spirit So it's talking to God. And all relationships have to have an element of communication. If you didn't communicate with your friends and the family and the people you love around you, then you wouldn't have much of a relationship with them. And it's the same with your heavenly dad. If there's no communication and no prayer, um, then there's not much of a relationship. Prayer is the way in which we build relationship with God. Um, You may be convinced in your head of what prayer is. What I've just said is not a big shock to you. You already knew that. Um, and it may make sense on paper. It all makes sense. You know what it is. You know we should do it. But in your heart of hearts, you might be thinking, but why should we need to pray? God is God. He's awesome. He's amazing. He knows everything. You keep telling me he knows, in these meetings, he knows everything about me. He knows everything. He knows me better than I know myself. So why do we need to tell him everything? What's the point? He already knows it. We're going to listen to a guy who you may have heard of called J. John. Um, and he's going to tell you why he thinks that we should pray. 
acquired a little new kitten. And they were playing with their new kitten in the garden, and the kitten went up a tree, and it got stuck between two sharp branches, and it couldn't get out. And it was in a lot of distress. And the family tried to get to the little kitten, but because of all the branches, it was very difficult to get to it. But the father was a pastor, and he was always coming up with great ideas. So he said, don't worry, Daddy to the rescue. I'm going to get my car, I'm going to get a rope. I'm going to tie the rope around the tree, I'm going to tie it onto the car. I'm going to get in the car, I'm going to drive a bit, the tree will come down, and then we'll be able to manoeuvre around, and we'll be able to save the little kitten. Everyone said, Daddy, to the rescue. Daddy gets his car, gets the rope, ties the rope around the tree, ties it onto the car, gets in the car, begins to drive, slowly, slowly, the trees bending, bending, the car's moving, as the car moves, as the tree bends, the rope snaps. As the rope snaps, the tree flings back and the little pussycat goes flying in the opposite direction. And that's the end of the story. Two weeks later, the pastor is visiting a member of his congregation. He knocks on the door, the door opens, the lady says, Pastor, come in. As he walks in, there in the hallway was his little kitten. He knew it was unmistakable. So he didn't want to say to her, that's my kitten. So he said, that's a lovely little kitten you've got. Have you had her long? She says, Pastor, you're not going to believe this. But it was two weeks ago. It was a hot, sunny Saturday afternoon. And I was in my garden with our little son, Johnny. And Johnny said, Mommy, please, can we have a kitten? And I said, no, we are not having a cat. We've discussed this many, many times. We're not going to have a kitten. But Pastor, he pestered me and pestered me. The only thing I could think of doing was to say, I'll tell you what, Johnny, let's kneel down here in the garden and we'll pray to the Lord Jesus. And if the Lord Jesus wants to give you a kitten, he'll give you a kitten. Pastor, you are not going to believe this. When we pray, coincidences happen. And when we don't, they don't. Cool story. J. John's cool. Um, so, J. John says, when we pray, coincidences happen. When we don't pray, they don't. I wonder how many of you have got stories in your life where you've prayed um, and following your prayer, maybe days, weeks, months, years later... The situation that you've prayed about has changed, but you've put it down to coincidence rather than the fact that you prayed. I've got a bit of a story to share about a similar thing happening to me. So um, back in 2009, I got married um, and my husband and I decided that we were going to rent a house in a place called Beckles, which isn't too far from here. It's not on the coast. It's about 15 minutes from Lowestoft where we currently live. 
Um, so we knew it would be temporary. We knew that we would want to buy a house, but for now we were going to rent in Beckles. Um, so we did. Um, but as an aside to this, just before we, um, we got married, I regularly, every year, would have year out workers come and work with me. And this one particular year, I had a guy working with me, um, and I used to sort of give him lifts to and from church. Um, and this one day, I'd, the first time I dropped him off, I dropped him off at his house, and we pulled up outside his house, and I said, oh, I'd love to live in a house like this one day. It's a really pretty road, it's lovely. Um, and that, that was just like a passing comment, really. Um, so we were enjoying living in our house, my husband and I, in this little place called Beckles, a little cute town, um, renting this house. And we decided, we loved it so much, that we were going to buy our house here in Beckles. And so we began to search for houses in Beckles to get on the property ladder. Um, this one particular Monday morning, um, I went to work in the church office at the church building. And I just, like, I had loads of stuff that I had to do. My task list was huge, and I just could not concentrate. Every time I tried to put my mind to anything, it just wasn't happening, really. I was really struggling, and I went into the leader of our church, um, and I just said, do you know what? I'm not coping very well today. I just feel really stressed. I've got loads on. I've got loads on personally. I've got loads on with work. I just need some time with God. Um, and he was a very lovely church leader and said, you know, that's more important than anything. Go and take some time with God. So, I went back to my house in Beckles, um, where my husband was working from home, and I said, I've come back, I'm going to have a day of prayer, um, which I've never done, it's the only time that I've ever done it, okay, I was going to have a day of prayer, um, which sounds all lovely and holy, um, so I went into my living room and tried to pray, pretty quickly as I tried to pray, I got really distracted um, by everything going on in the room, um, magazines that were on the table, thinking about what I wanted to eat, all the, which is a regular distraction of mine food. Um, so I decided, okay, I need to change my location. I need to, we had an attic room. So I'll, I'll go up to the attic room. Um, I'll try praying up there. So I went up to the attic room. We had a lovely futon in the attic room. And within no time at all, I fell asleep. Um, woke up about an hour later um, and was just by this point like God like I'm trying to give you a day of prayer and I'm just it's not happening like I'm getting totally distracted I'm just failing miserably and um, I'm going to go on a prayer walk so I went out on a walk went to a local park found a beautiful tree there was no one in the park sat on a bench into the tree and then this really weird man started walking up to me and I thought great I'm not going to get to pray again so I got up and walked off um, and by this point I'm like shouting at God like literally standing in my front room, like in my upstairs room, shouting at God, saying, God, I've given you a day. I'm really stressed. Can you just please help me to pray? This is just ridiculous. Um, probably completely the wrong attitude to have, um, but that's how I felt. And I'd written a list right at the beginning of the day of all the things that were on my mind that I wanted answers to prayer for. And nothing had got answered because I hadn't really prayed. Um, so I just went into my husband's and I said, I've had enough. I'm going to go in the back garden. It's a sunny day. I'm going to sit on the sun lounger and read a book. I've given up because I'd spent six hours trying to pray and it hadn't worked. So I went to the sun lounger with my book, just a random book that I pulled off the shelf um, and started to read. And within two chapters of reading the book, it suddenly dawned on me that all of the things on my list that I needed to pray for had started to be ticked off. But the only thing remaining on my list was that I'd put on there that I wanted to know what the house was that God wanted us to choose in Beckles. Um, and he hadn't answered that. And just as that realisation came to me, um, a male voice behind me said, you need to move to Lowestoft. So I turned around in my seat and there was nobody there. I, I, this, I've never had this experience before and I've never had this experience since. But it was very clear, you need to move to Lowestoft. So I turned around, there was nobody there. So I ran into the house and said to my husband, were you just in the garden? 
And he said, no, what are you talking about? I'm working. I said, Some, a man's just spoken to me in the garden. He just told me that I've got to move to Lowestoft. Um, so it's a quite weird experience. And then the reason that I knew this was God was because we had no intention of moving to Lowestoft. We were looking at houses in Beckles. Um, and I was like, what is this about? This is bizarre. But God's starting to answer all these things. But now he's told me I've got to move somewhere. I don't even want to move to. So then I'm still in a bit of a grunt with God. Um, and then a few days later, we were going on to church. Um, we got into the church car park. And um, this guy came pulled into the car park. And he ran down the window on his car. And he held out a set of keys out of the window. And he said, we've just bought a new house. Would you like our house? I was like, okay. Now, what you need to know is this guy was the father of the year out worker who I dropped off at his house, who I'd said, I'd love to live in that house one day. I'd love to live in a house like that. It was the dad of that guy. So he was offering me the very house that I'd said that I wanted all that time ago. And... We ended up having the house, we moved to Lower Stuffed, and it's been the best thing ever. God's really blessed us um, where we live um, and being local to the church. And I tell you that story, it's a bit of a long story, long-winded story, but the reason I tell you is because for me, I can tell that story to non-Christians, and they're like, that's just a load of coincidences. It's just loads of coincidences that have come together. And I'm like, no way, that's not coincidences. That is God all over. That is me praying and God making coincidences happen. When you pray, coincidences happen. When you pray, things change. Things happen. And, and sometimes in the moment, you don't even realize it that God is answering your prayer, like we didn't at the time. Okay, so you may be convinced of what prayer is and that we should be doing it, but thinking, how often should we pray? Um, so I think that we need to become a people devoted to praying. And in Romans 12, 12, it says this. I think it's on the screen. Yeah, it says rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. It uses the word constant. So prayer, it suggests, is an active thing. It's constant, okay? It's not passive. It means you've got to decide to do it. It's not going to suddenly magically happen. You've got to decide, I'm going to do it. I wonder if you would consider yourself devoted to prayer. That doesn't mean that prayer is the only thing that you do in your life. Um, but I'm devoted to my husband and my children, but that doesn't mean that that's all I do. I don't just hang out with my husband and my kids all day, every day. That would be pretty boring. Don't tell him. He's in the room. Um, so being devoted to something looks different to not being devoted to it. Um, and a life devoted to prayer should look distinguishable from a life that's not devoted to prayer. So just praying when you're in a crisis, praying when you're desperate, praying before you eat, praying when you go to sleep as part of your routine, they're all good prayers. There's nothing wrong with them. But um, they're not devotion to prayer, are they? Being devoted to prayer looks different. And there's some words that are going to come up on the screen, some synonyms of the word devotion. If you have a look at them, I wonder if your life and your prayer life as it stands today, I wonder if you could say, yeah, those things apply to my prayer life. I'm dedicated to my prayer life. I'm faithful to prayer. I'm a devout in prayer. I love prayer. I wonder if those things are what your prayer life looks like. I pondered on it myself and I thought, do you know what? My husband and my, chil- and my children aren't all that my life is about. They're important, but they're not all my life is about. But within a short amount of spending time with me, just like the beginning of the seminar, you would know that I'm devoted to them. You know they're an important part of my world. And I think a life devoted to prayer is the same. So it's your life, if it's devoted to prayer, has got prayers fingertips all over it. Within moments of being with somebody who's devoted to prayer, you know they're a prayerful person. 
All their stories come from prayer. Their default setting in any circumstances to pray. Their life looks very different from a life that's not devoted to prayer. So I don't think there's necessarily an answer to how often should we pray. So if you're feeling guilty about I don't pray enough or I don't pray daily, I don't think there's an answer to how often God says you should pray. I think that's the wrong question. I think that prayer is a lifestyle and a life devoted to prayer um, doesn't worry about the number of times you're praying. It's a heart thing. You pray when you need to pray. So we could stand and talk about many reasons why we should pray. Um, And I'm sure many of you would agree with them, but still struggle with what's the point. He knows it all anyway. What is the point, really? Um, The thing is, you don't pray to inform God about things. He does know it all anyway. He does know all those things that you're going to pray to him. But you're praying to invite him into your life and to build relationship with him and to be partnering with him rather than doing it independently. I'm sure you've all got people in the room that you love might not be a boyfriend or girlfriend or a husband or wife, but I'm sure there are people in your life that you love. And it's important that those people know that you love them because you tell them you love them. So my husband, I know that he loves me. I know that. But you know what? I want to hear it. And when I hear it, it builds my marriage and my partnership and my relationship with him. And it's the same with God. He knows it all anyway, but he wants us to commune with him. He wants us to have partnership with him. He wants us to have relationship with him. He desires that. He craves that to have intimacy with you. And the Bible tells us loads of reasons to pray. But ultimately, it says God tells you to pray. He says, do it. Um, And in Matthew 6, just in that one chapter, he says, when you pray, three times. He presumes you're going to do it. He doesn't say if you pray. He says when you pray. So he's presuming you're going to do it. So we might find it hard. We might struggle with it. It might be something we've got to grapple with. It's not easy at times. Sometimes it's easier than others. It's not always easy. But... um, We need to do it. There's no excuses. um, And it is worth the effort. Um, And when we pray, we're doing warfare. We're fighting a battle when we pray. It's a powerful weapon. Um, There's loads at stake. And if we don't pray, we're not even entering into the battle. We're just letting it into you without us. But actually, when we take up our weapon and we pray, we are fighting on the winning team. So God acts when we pray. He does more in five seconds than you can do in five years. Um, And it's really important that we need to go to him before we hit the problem. So quite often if I've got a task ahead of me, um, I'll do, 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 and then think, oh, I should pray. Actually, we need to pray before we do. Because actually quite often um, we can spend 10 weeks looking at a problem when in 10 seconds God just brings the breakthrough that we need. Um, So God wants to help you with the impossible if you will just go to him rather than your task or your problem at hand. Okay, Ben's going to come talk to us now. He's going to talk to us a bit about what I mentioned earlier, about how um, the change in my life came when I realised who I was in God um, and about identity. So Ben's going to talk to us about that. Okay, how are you doing? So um, I just want to, on the outset, before we... um, get into this, I just want to say what I'm going to talk about right now is a journey. Now, in, in journeys, there are key moments. Um, and so I want to understand, I don't know where you're at in this kind of journey, but I just want you to know that God wants this morning to be a key moment for you in what he wants to do in your life in terms of a life of prayer and a life of terms of being his kid. 
And just even over the last two, three weeks for myself, God has been doing more and more work in me and what I'm going to talk about. And so I just want you to know, wherever you're at in your journey, God wants to take you deeper. God wants to bring you more revelation. God wants to bring breakthrough on your journey. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 11. So if you've got a Bible or um, you want to flick to it or turn it on, whatever way you kind of do it. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 11 and Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray. I'll just give you a second to find it. Okay, Luke 11, and we're just going to read the first kind of four verses. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, One of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation." Now, this is true for all of us. True for you, true for me. How you see somebody determines how you relate to them. Now, you will do this all the way through the day. You will do this all the way through the week. You'll do this all the way through your life. You will automatically do this. So, let me give you some examples. If you perceive someone to be kind you are more inclined to relate to them in an open and positive way. The reverse is also true. If you perceive or know somebody to be unkind or selfish, it affects our ability to connect with them openly or at all. And that actually is how we think about God. How we think about him will ultimately reflect how we relate to him. Do you get it? It's really important. How we perceive God and what he's done for us can change, if it's based on truth, can change our prayers, and it sustains a a life of prayer. So Jesus, when he teaches his disciples, what does he say? He says, when you pray, say, Father. When you pray, say, Father. How you see God is the key to prayer. Not what you say, it's how you see him. That actually seeing God as our loving Father changes the dynamic of our prayer life. And so Jesus, as he goes through the rest of the prayer, he describes what this Father is like. Our Father is holy. He's a reigning Father with a good kingdom. He's a providing Father who gives us our daily needs. He's a forgiving Father. And he's a protective Father. So when you pray, say, Father. I've been a youth leader for 14 years and the one thing I'm looking out for whenever I hear my kids pray is do they start with Father? Because that gives me an indication that they've really grasped the gospel. So how you see God massively changes the way that you will pray or how you're inclined to pray. Okay, so do you see him, a few examples, do you see him as a policeman waiting to catch you? 
I know that was definitely when I was a teenager. That was definitely one of the ones I had a guilty conscience. So I thought God was waiting to catch me. Or maybe you see him as a bossy dictator, just telling you, "Do this, do this. Your life should be this. Your life should do this." Maybe you see him as an angry judge. Maybe you see him as a strict teacher. Or maybe you see prayer as actually it's a bit like God's a heavenly Santa Claus who should give you all the things that you want and all the material needs that you have. Actually, if we see God as something less than he is, it will massively affect our prayer life. So there's a great dead guy called John Owen. He said this, let us, let you and me, See the Father as one who from eternity has always kind thoughts towards us. It is a complete misunderstanding of the Father that makes us want to run away and hide from him. How do you see God? When you pray, do you say, Father? Is that how you start? Is that the position that you start with. And many of us, including myself, struggle to pray. And one of the things when you struggle to pray, you think, God, you must be really disappointed in me that I'm rubbish at prayer. That can often be a thought that because of our lack of prayer and God being disappointed with us, how unmotivating is that to even start praying? But actually, if we grasp that he's loving, welcoming, helping, encouraging, we will be motivated by our view of him to pursue him in prayer. And the really, just a key thing for you to be really aware of, the devil doesn't want you to pray. And so the main way he attacks is to feed you subtle lies about who God is. Because he knows if you get that, that will sustain a life of prayer until your dying day. And the great thing is, is that if you feel like, yeah, I really do see God in a way that Scripture doesn't say, then this morning we'd lo- we're going to pray and we just believe those lies that we can believe get broken. And that's actually God can give us revelation about who he is. So how do you get a true perception of who God is? Key thing, reading Scripture. Read scripture. Get a grasp of who Jesus revealed the Father to be. But we don't want to just read scripture in a way of gathering information. We want to read scripture with the help of the Holy Spirit to get revelation. And that's the key that changes. It's revelation of who God is. And that's what the Holy Spirit comes to do. We can read, you can read the Bible, you can know loads of answers, but actually it's when we know in the core of our hearts who God is, It will radically change the way we pray and how we relate to him. And as this next scripture will say, that's actually part of the role of the Holy Spirit. So Galatians 4, 6, uh, God sent Jesus, God sent his son to buy freedom for us who are slaves to the law. So we'd no longer relate to God in a kind of, I'm good at this or I'm bad at that. So he did that so he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts prompting us to call out Abba, Father. God sent his son to die and rise again and ascend so that he could adopt you as his son and as his daughter. And then he sends the Holy Spirit who is upon Jesus and just like Jesus so that we can have a new relationship with our Father just like Jesus did. And so we can have an experienced reality of what Jesus enjoyed. 
and what Jesus does enjoy. That's the Holy Spirit's role. The cry of Jesus was Abba, Father, and the Holy Spirit comes so that the same cry is within us. Do you get that? That's the role of the Holy Spirit, and that's what we're going to be praying for in a bit. The Holy Spirit helps you to know and express from the core of who you are that God is your Father. The Spirit is given to us to draw us nearer and nearer to the Father. So whenever you pray, whenever you think of praying, whenever you're motivated to pray, that's the Holy Spirit. He's want to draw you nearer and nearer to the Father. So the Holy Spirit reveals who the Father is and how to connect with him. But it's not just important about us seeing and knowing God for who he truly is. It's also important to understand how God sees us. So how we see God is massively important to sustaining prayer, but also how God sees us. So next scripture, a really important one. So 1 John 3 verse 1, can you say that back to me? 1 John 3 verse 1, I'll count to 3 and then we'll do it together, okay? You ready? 1, 2, 3. uh, That's a typo, okay, I apologize for that. So 1 John 3, really important verse for you to memorize. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Knowing who you are before God changes the way we pray. Knowing the truth of our adoption as sons and daughters before God results in a growing prayer life. Now, let me just give you an example. Fifteen minutes away from here, my parents live. Uh, a, a little bit later on, that's where my wife and kids are, they're staying there. Um, tomorrow, I'm going to go and visit. Now, let me ask you some questions. Do I need to ring the doorbell and wait to be let in to my parents' house? No. If I'm thirsty, do I need to get permission to raid their drinks fridge? No. If I'm hungry, can I raid the fridge? Yes. Now, let's reverse it. Imagine it's you, and you turn up at their house. Do you have to ring the doorbell and wait to be let in? Yes, you do. Otherwise, they'll probably ring the police. Yeah, there's an intruder in my house. Do you have to ask for a drink, or can you just go and raid the drinks fridge? Yes, you have to ask. And can you just go and raid the fridge if you're really hungry and eat all their chocolate and crisps or whatever else? No, you can't. Now, what's the difference? The difference is I'm their son. And so I relate to them differently to you would. Why? Because I'm their son. I'm part of their family. And so it's massively important that who we think we are before God massively affects the way that we would relate to him. So if you think to yourself, I'm just, you know, I'm just God's servant. I'm just, you know, I'm just a follower. Actually, that will massively affect the way you pray. Whereas as, if you see yourself, I'm, I'm his son. I'm his daughter. That will massively affect your prayer life. Grasping the wonderful truth of who God says we are fills our hearts and minds with confidence and boldness. So if you've just sinned, he's my forgiving father. If you're feeling tired and weary, he's my father who strengthens me and protects me. It massively changes the way we pray. 
Our God-given identity as sons and daughters is the key, as well as knowing who he is, to sustaining and persisting in prayer. So you need to know you're accepted. Say accepted back to me. You need to know you're affirmed. Say affirmed back to me. And you need to know you have access. So you're accepted, you're affirmed, you have access. Say those back to me after three. One, two, three. That's who you are as his son. It's massively important that we grasp our identity in Christ. And this prayer space will help you hugely in doing that. I'd encourage you to do that. There's a few ways that our culture would tell us how we should base our identity. So five key ways. They would tell you to base your identity on how you look, what you do, what you have, who you know, or even who you sleep with. That our culture would throw those five massive things and say, look, this is how you should define who you are. These are the things to base your identity on. But actually, if you choose to base your identity at the core of who you are on those things, it's a faulty foundation. Jesus came to liberate us from a self-defined identity. And he came to bring us into a God-defined identity. So I'm just going to finish with this quote. Jesus came to give you an eternal identity. So a Christian is a child of a perfect, powerful father, God. They're part of a perfect, eternal family. They are beautiful in the eyes of the one who runs everything. One day, God will give them everything that is his, perfection forever. The amazing thing is we don't have to do anything to keep his identity. It's given by God to anyone who asks for him for it is by, we get given it by trusting Jesus. So my question to you is this. How do you see God? And how do you think God sees you? For if you get those two things based on the truth of Scripture and the Holy Spirit reveals those to you, you'll be able to journey in a life of prayer until you get to heaven. Jody. Okay, we are running short with time. So what we're going to do... Um, is just show you a little video um, on identity. So Ben's been speaking about um, who you are, who you see, how you see yourself in God's eyes is going to radically affect your prayer life. We're just going to play a short video. It's just got some truths about who God says you are. And as you're watching this, I just want you to think, does my thought life line up with this? Is this who I believe I am or not? Um, and then we're going to just pray for you guys because actually the truths on here are what you need to start believing. These things are who God says you are. So just watch this video. According to the Bible, I am God's possession. I am his child, his workmanship. I want you to apply this to yourself. You are his friend, his temple, his vessel, a co-laborer, and his witness. You're a soldier, an ambassador, a building, a temple. You're his husbandry. You're a minister and an instrument. You're his chosen, his beloved, his precious jewel, and his heritage. 
In Christ, you've been redeemed by blood, set free from sin, set free from Satan, set free from the kingdom of darkness, chosen before the foundation of the world, predestined to be like Jesus, forgiven of all your trespasses, washed in blood, given a sound mind, given the Holy Spirit, adopted into God's family, justified freely by His grace, given all things pertaining to life, given great and precious promises, given ministry of reconciliation, given authority over the enemy, given access to God, and given wisdom for free. In Christ you are complete, totally in Him, free forever from sin's power. You're sanctified. You're fit for the Master's use. You're loved eternally. You're eternally kept in the palm of His hand. You're kept from falling. You're kept by His very power, and you're not condemned. You're one with the Lord. You're on your way to heaven, quickened by His mighty power, seated in heavenly places. You're the head and not the tail. You're the light in darkness. You're a candle in a dark place. You're a city set on a hill. You're the salt of the earth. You are His sheep. You're a citizen of heaven. You're hidden with Christ in God, protected from the evil one. You're kept by the power of God. You're secure in Christ. You're set on a rock. You're more than conqueror. You're born again. You're a victor. You're healed by His stripes, covered by His blood, sheltered by His wing, and hidden in His secret place. In Him you have access to the Father, a home in heaven waiting for you, all things in Christ, a living hope, an anchor to your soul, a hope sure and steadfast, authority to tread on serpents, power to witness, the tongue of the learned, the mind of Christ, boldness and access, peace with God, and faith like the grain of a mustard seed. And in Christ you can do all things, find mercy, come boldly to his throne, quench the fiery darts of the enemy, tread on him like a serpent, declare liberty to the captives, pray always, chase a thousand, defeat and overcome the enemy, and tread Satan underfoot. And the only things you cannot do in Christ is be separated from God, perish or be lost, be moved, be taken out of your Father's hand, be charged or accused, or be condemned. And we're just going to pray. Father, I want to thank you that you love us. I want to thank you that you are here with us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to pray that you would come and minister, Lord, and uh, bring these dear people into an experience of who you are and how you see them. So Holy Spirit, we give you free reign in this moment. We choose to open our lives to your truth and your power and your love. Thank you, Holy Spirit, you're here. And Lord, as we sing this song together, would you use these words and would you use the truths of Scripture to bring us into a dynamic uh, relationship with our Father?